Hello, Edu Gladiators. Welcome to our podcast, The Arena. We are excited to have a new episode uh, for you today. I'm Marlena Gross-Taylor, founder of Edu Gladiators, and I am super excited to talk to one of my favorite authors, Rich Chiz. I actually have his book here. Some of you might be familiar with The Four O'Clock Faculty. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about this and a rumor about a new book, but first, Let's meet Rich. So, Rich, say hello to all of the warriors in the arena and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Chiz. I am currently an elementary principal in New Jersey, uh, formerly in the curriculum realm and uh, formerly a fifth grade classroom teacher and basic skills teacher and instructional coach and um, a, a long line of, uh, of different roles, uh, but excited to be here and excited to talk about uh, the four o'clock faculty book, um, as well as some some impending rumors. <laughs> <laughs> we can't wait to hop in it. So how about we do that right now? Sure. Okay. So everyone, Rich, has a story about how they got involved in education. Uh, for me, I actually said I would never be an educator. Grew up in a family of educators. Mom retired as a middle school principal, and uh, and she laughs daily at what I do now and how involved I am now. But that was, my, that was my journey. I didn't want to do it, then had kids, and now I want to know everything about it. And I'm so glad that I'm involved and I can be a warrior for kids. But what's your story? How did you get involved in education? Yeah, for me, um, it started with coaching. So, um, you know, the, the, from the time I was uh, 15 years old and I stopped playing baseball, I had started coaching. So um, I worked along with my dad and uh, also another um, friend's dad who coached us as little league players. And uh, like I said, from the time I stopped playing, I started coaching with them. Uh, I was working with six to nine year olds on one team. I was coaching another team of 10 to 12 year olds and um, loved, absolutely loved being around kids, um, loved coaching baseball. And, uh, and I actually went to school um, not knowing that I was gonna become a teacher. Um, I graduated with a degree in political science um, after four years of college. And um, had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So um, I kind of ended up in a job that wasn't working out for me and um, couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And eventually I kind of found a program where I could get my teaching certification. Um, you know, I knew that I loved working with um, kids and students and, and that's ultimately where I wanted to be. So that's kind of how I fell into education. Um, you know, four classes, they gave me a certification after I student taught, and uh, I was hired on August 27th and, and handed a, a class roster of uh, 27 kids, and, and off we went. So um, it, it was awesome, and, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. Awesome, awesome. I love he hearing everyone's story because I often say, you know, school is the common denominator for most, most uh, people in our country, right? Like, we've all gone to... Uh, primarily public school, but others, maybe some other choices, but that is like our one common experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel that our experiences definitely impact um, who we are and what we do. So when I read, when I first read, I ordered this as soon as you released it, I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this guy, right? Because um, it's your four o'clock faculty is all about really redefining how we approach professional development. So 
what was your inspiration? Like what experiences either from your journey as a student, from your journey as an educator, led you to write this book? So it kind of started with my own PD experience. Um, as I said, I, I came into the profession not having kind of any undergrad background in teaching. Um, I went through four classes. It was a, you know, two classes in the summer, two in the fall. I student taught and then, you know, someone deemed that I was ready to take over a classroom, which, um, you know, <laughs> I was unprepared to do. Um, and I, I think the, the key kind of came in my first year. And, um, you know, I talk about it in the book. There was a time when our district was implementing a new writing rubric and we went through a year long training, which, you know, I commend the district on to this day because um, it's not very often that when a district is doing something like that, like implementing a new, um, you know, writing program or rubric that um, they're giving teachers continuous PD on it. And that was the one thing that our school did really well. Um, the difference though for me was that I was a math teacher. So uh, I was teaching math and science at the time. I wasn't using the writing rubric. And, um, you know, I ended up sitting in these meetings every month um, on the new writing rubric and was not going back to the classroom to use it with my students. And um, the big mistake that I made was, you know, walking back up to my classroom afterwards with my colleague who was also a math and science teacher and the biggest thing that we did was complain about it uh, we complained about it to each other and then went about our business and um, and and never did anything about it and it wasn't until the final meeting of the year so we finally got to june and we said this is a waste of our time we went to our principal and said hey can we use this meeting time this month to talk about our math curriculum and you know she was gracious and said absolutely um, you know, looking back on it, I wish I would have started with that opportunity in September instead of waiting all year to do that. Um, and then when I became an administrator, um, I had the opportunity to kind of see what professional development looked like. Um, I went into a new district. Um, I got to sit through a, a PD day. I was looking for a teacher and uh, couldn't find that teacher. And when I asked around, someone had told me that the person had taken off for the day. And uh, I, I couldn't believe it because professional development to me is one of those days where you absolutely want to be there. You want to learn new things. And when I came back um, after the, the long weekend, um, I looked at our staff attendance for that professional development day. And uh, we had nearly 30% of our staff who was taking the day off to make it a, a four day weekend. And um, what that told me is that we were not doing enough as administrators to make the learning meaningful and relevant uh, for our staff. And so that's where we wanted to make sure that we were doing everything we could to improve professional development. And that's, that's kind of where it stems from, uh, both of those experiences. Wow, thank you for that. You know, a couple of things that you mentioned that really stuck out to me is that, um, first of all, that you reflected about the PD that you were providing as a building leader, right? Uh, I, I wish more leaders would think about that. I know every state is a little bit different. Like you're in Jersey, uh, you know, I'm from the South and, and I've worked in a lot of different states in the South. Um, and, you know, some states that I've worked in, PD was mandatory, right? And so I think that could cause a little bit of um, resentment, especially if it's not really great PD. But even in places like yours where, you know, they have maybe a little bit, it sounds like maybe a little bit more, uh, flexibility, the fact that you looked at the PD and the attendance and, and you were willing to change your approach is absolutely phenomenal to leaders. Um, 
the second thing you mentioned was how you wish you would have gone to your administrator as a teacher, you know, earlier in the year. You have a chapter in your book that is focused on uh, chapter 11, dealing with disappointing PD. Mm -hmm. So I know we have teachers and leaders, parents, all kinds of, of people that impact kids listening to our podcast, but what advice would you give particularly, uh, particularly teachers, but also leaders that have to go to mandated principal meetings? Uh, what would you give either of those groups uh, advice on in dealing with disappointing PD? I think the biggest thing is um, taking charge of your own professional development. And, you know, I feel like that was the mistake that I made early on in my career is, is assuming that somebody else um, is planning what's best for me and knows what's best for me. Um, and, and sometimes it's not even a person intentionally not planning what's best for me, but um, not being capable of, you know, whether it's mandated things or, um, you know, any number of reasons that are getting in the way of planning meaningful and, and um, relevant learning for me or for any other educator for that matter. So, you know, the, the biggest secret that I always tell everyone is um, principals and building administrators and those who are tasked with planning professional development, um, they would love the help, you know. So a staff member who's an expert on something coming to me and saying, hey, at our next staff meeting, why don't we do this? Um, you know, gladly, there are, there are days when our staff meeting is coming up and it's starting at 345 and at 315, I'm, I'm coming up with the agenda. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where I always tell everyone, you know, any administrator who's planning PD uh, would welcome those who would uh, be willing to help out and, and share their expertise. And I think that's the biggest piece is you, you know, no one is going to give you exactly what you need. Um, in some cases, you know, there will be mandated things, there will be district um, initiatives and things like that, but um, you, you really have to take charge of your own PD. I love that. Uh, I do, I do uh, love the idea of having your teachers or if you're a principal or maybe you're a, you're a supervisor or a district office personnel and you're planning PD for principals, having the people that you're planning the PD be a part of the planning um, and really leveraging the, the genius of that group to help deliver some of that PD. We all know that teachers learn best from teachers. Like that's a common phrase that we use in education. So um, why not have teachers be a critical piece of presenting or facilitating uh, PD, right? For other teachers and same for leaders. Um, one, of the, one of the other chapters that I really like in your book or sections in your book, you talk about uh, hashtag coffee edu mm -hmm. and I don't think enough people probably uh, know about that I think people maybe are doing versions of that but I really love that hashtag and what it stands for can you talk a little bit about uh, what hashtag coffee edu means yeah so I first learned about um, coffee edu from AJ Bianco mm -hmm. uh, is also a New Jersey educator and um, he was kind of promoting one that he was doing in North Jersey and uh, we're, we're kind of located, uh, before I was in South Jersey, and now I'm kind of located centrally in New Jersey, but um, the idea is you show up on a Saturday or Sunday morning um, at a coffee shop, at a diner, uh, which are popular here, and, um, you know, it's a, it's a one-hour informal discussion um, with passionate educators, and I think that's the key, is you have people who are showing up, um, who are taking time out of their day, taking time away from their families. Um, you know, on a, on a Saturday or Sunday morning, 
Uh, we like to do ours bright and early on Sunday mornings, um, you know, so that you're kind of in and out. It's an hour. Um, and, and making sure that you're, you know, just sharing those conversations. There's no formal agenda. It's, uh, you know, it's a conversation first. And I think you learn a lot and connect with different educators. And, and what I love about uh, the group that we now have going here in New Jersey, we have some from New Jersey, some from local Pennsylvania districts. And um, it is all, you know, variety of different educators, superintendents, teachers, principals, um, you know, we have school nurses who participate. Uh, it is something where everyone is is there for the learning and there to uh, grow. And uh, it's a super powerful, um, easy to implement thing. So if you have, you know, what I always say in the book is you want to find those rogue educators, those uh, people who are willing to learn with you. And even if it's one other person, then the two of you are getting together to have that coffee, you know, once a month uh, on a weekend. Uh, it, it's an important learning experience for everyone involved. Thank you for sharing that. It's definitely a hashtag that I think more people should start using. I do feel like there are uh, definitely groups of, of educators that get together probably pretty regularly. And just to have, just to use that hashtag coffee edu and let other people know and share like, you know, this is how we're connecting and growing with each other. I think is absolutely awesome. It changes the culture, right? Absolutely. Like it, it changes the culture and you do talk about changing culture uh, through uh, being a rogue through this rogue approach uh, for PD, which I really love. Um, so my, my last question before I want to, I want to address the rumor. <laughs> my last question that I have uh, that I would love to get your insight on from your book, the four o'clock faculty is I would love for you to share about how do we extend the PD, this rogue approach, which I absolutely love, to our parents. We know it takes a village to raise kids, right? And we're part of that village as their teacher, as their principal, as their uh, EA, whatever it might be. But our parents are, uh, are a critical piece of the village that we wanna make sure that we're working um, in tandem with. So how do we extend uh, some of uh, these ideas you present in your book to help our parents? I think the biggest thing, um, you know, one of the biggest successes in education recently has been kind of the explosion of the EdCamp movement where, um, you know, teachers and educators are showing up passionate about what they do, um, showing up without a formalized agenda, you know, choosing what sessions are going to happen that day. Uh, and a few years back, I learned about um, a, a principal in Pennsylvania named Joe Mazza, who, um, you know, planned out something called Family Camp. And the idea was to bring parents in to have them learn about what's happening in the school, to have parents share their expertise. Um, and I think that can be a really powerful tool to kind of extend that professional learning to everyone. Um, you know, invite parents in for those learning opportunities. Um, invite the experts that you have in the building, whether it's, you know, someone who owns a local restaurant, um, whether it is someone who is a, an author or a, a book editor, or, you know, uh, we had, we had this year, uh, a parent who um, works with a rescue dog. Um, and he actually brought his rescue dog into our building, um, shared that with our students. Um, so I think those powerful connections that you can make with parents um, you know, can really extend that learning that is taking place for everyone, parents, teachers, and students. And, uh, you know, I think Family Camp is, is really a great way to kind of make that connection 
bring parents in, show them what you're doing in terms of curriculum and instruction within the building, um, having them bring their expertise, their feedback uh, to the process. And I think it could be helpful for everyone involved. Great. I, I totally agree. Um, I think nowadays, especially the parents, uh, you know, we always talk about the kids in our classrooms have changed, right? They're Gen Zers and even the next generation, uh, which is a podcast topic in and of itself. But I don't know if we really pay attention to the generation of our parents. And so our parents are uh, in a different generation than um, our parents, you and I's parents, you right. know? So we have to pay attention to that. And I think now when we see, when we hear, I just kind of cringe when I see school saying, oh, we're having a literacy night, a parent literacy night or math night. There, uh, many times they're just so static that parents are just kind of over it because it hasn't been too long before they had to bring their parents to that maybe, or you know, they're not too far removed from, from being a student uh, themselves. So um, I love the idea of having a family ed camp night using that approach and just having a more dynamic experience for parents to learn. Okay, Warriors, I know you're waiting for this because I'm so excited about it. Rich, rumor is, word on the street, is that there is a second book coming from Your Beautiful Brain. Can we talk about that today? Absolutely. Um, so there is a second book. I am currently in the kind of editing phase, uh, cover art, all that sort of fun stuff that goes along with uh, coming up with a book. Um, so the title uh, is The Secret Sauce, and it is kind of about my journey um, into education and how unprepared I was uh, as an educator and um, kind of the rules that I was told would work for me and help me and, you know, handed a handed a 300-page guide um, that guided me through lesson plans and, and those first couple of days of school and um, how really unprepared I was and, and what I learned from that experience. I love it. Guys, I've had the opportunity to have a sneak peek, so I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to, until you have it in your hands. Um, and I love it because it is about that journey. You know, I mentioned earlier about my journey and how I got involved. And I don't think I clarified for you, Rich, is that I was very similar to you. My uh, undergrad is not in education because I said I never wanted to do that, right? And so when I made that pivot after having children, much like you, I had to take, you know, a few more classes at LSU as a non-matriculating student so I could, uh, so I could earn my teaching certificate, but I did not go through that piece, right? So first day of school, I am like freaking out. Mm -hmm. I remember calling my mom before the bell rang for the kids to come in class. Now I was really freaking out. I said, mom, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I haven't been trained in that particular way, uh, in, the, in the traditional way of a teacher. And I, I, I don't know, I don't want to mess these kids up. Like, I don't want to ruin their experience. Sure. And my mom told me, she said, just teach them how you want it to be taught. Teach them as if those kids coming in were yours. Love them like you love the children you just had, right, personally. And that's how I approached and I still approach education as if those kids are mine, um, as if uh, teach them how I wanted to be taught, uh, being very diligent of, of being well-read and educated um, of the latest, greatest, you know, uh, strategies and approaches and figuring out what would work well for any particular group of kids. I say all that 
because you have a chapter um, that speaks about every child every day. Mm -hmm. I would love for you to share a little bit about that. Yeah, and, and that kind of comes from uh, just the experience of, of going into the classroom, you know, being, you know, told a, a rule like don't smile until Christmas. And, um, you know, that was the first thing I was told is, you know, you have to establish that, you know, you have structure and you have discipline and, and you're not going to have any fun until Christmas because those kids need to know that you're, you mean business and you're serious. And it's one of those things where, um, you know what, there are a lot of kids who need that smile every day. Um, and it is, you know, upon each of us as an educator to take care of every child that's in our classroom um, every day. And whether we're having a good day or a bad day, um, you know, sometimes I leave the house in the morning and you're having a, a terrible day and, you know, you got stuck in traffic and everything went wrong that morning. And the moment I walk in that door, um, I have to turn that all that off and, uh, you know, make sure that I'm ready to, um, to, to be my best for the students that are in front of me that day. And, and I think that's where it kind of comes from. It's, you know, every student every day. Um, whether, you know, they're having difficulties in the classroom, whether you're having difficulties that day, um, you know, they're, they're giving you their best most of the time. You know, if there's something that's impeding their learning, um, usually there's an issue behind that. And, you know, I kind of talk about that in some of the other chapters is, you know, how do you build those relationships with students? How do you make sure that you're establishing that culture that is going to um, give every student their best opportunity to learn every day? And that's what it's all about. Yes, could not agree more. I think, I mean, I received a similar advice, be mean until Christmas, right? And, uh, and I even remember, uh, because I actually started off in my old middle school that I, was, that I went to school in, and so I respected the teachers that I literally had as teachers. And I remember one teacher saying, uh, she knew I wore contacts, she said, you need to wear your glasses on the first couple of weeks, and then you can pull them down and look over your glasses if a student isn't behaving. And, and that's why I was freaking out. I was like, that is not me. Like, I love kids. I want them to know that they're loved. Uh, I want to push them. Um, I want them to be their absolute best, whatever that best is for them. But I don't want to appear over my glasses to them. Right. <laughs> you know, like, like back, a throwback. Uh, so I love that chapter. I honestly feel like that was one of my favorite chapters that really just spoke to me. Uh, because to me, that is the heart of Edge of Gladiators, of being that warrior for kids. Um, and being what the kids need whatever that might be, you know, whatever our kids need. Um, what advice would you give new teachers that are maybe freaking out right now because they start in uh, August or September, they have a job, they're excited to go to their school, first time, first time in a classroom that they're the lead teacher. What advice do you have for them um, right now? Maybe some things that they should be uh, reflecting on or, are, are some things that they should be doing or considering? Uh, I, I would say the biggest piece I would start with is making those connections with kids. And, um, you know, I think when you, when you get that first teaching job or, you know, maybe you're leaving a, a district and you're moving to a new district and you're about to start, you kind of focus on all those little things, you know, uh, what, how am I going to set up my classroom? What am I going to put on the walls? Um, you know, what's the curriculum like? You kind of start focusing on all of those things and there's a million of them and, and they'll all come with time. Uh, but I, th I think the number one piece of advice I would give to someone who's a new teacher or someone who's, you know, starting in a new position is connecting with those kids. So, you know, taking the time to write a letter to every student over the summer, um, you know, 
that goes a long way. And um, it goes a long way toward building that relationship, um, toward that student walking in on the first day and already knowing that you care about them. And uh, I, I think that's the biggest piece is, is making those connections and building those relationships with students. Thank you so much, Rich. This has been absolutely awesome. Um, Warriors, those of you that are listening to our podcast right now, uh, I'm telling you, if you have not picked up the four o'clock faculty, you want to make sure you pick that up. That is available for you everywhere books are sold and be on the lookout. Yes, right here. Be on the lookout for the secret sauce. It is amazing. Um, and if you have uh, some ideas or maybe some thoughts that were triggered by today's conversation uh, and you want to get in contact with Rich, uh, I want to make sure you can do that. So Rich, how can people connect with you if they'd like to talk further about um, your book, uh, Four O'Clock Faculty, or even Secret Sauce that's coming up, or maybe they just need a thought partner? How do they connect? Yeah. So uh, on Twitter, at R-A-C-Z-Y-Z, R -A -C -Z -Y -Z, uh, and then the website is fouroclockfaculty.com. So F-O-U-R, o'clockfaculty.com. And uh, all the other information is on there. There's email addresses and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, would love to help share, collaborate, connect. Uh, so anybody who wants to reach out, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. And for our listeners, we will include this information also in the transcript. So whether you're listening to this on uh, one of your podcast apps or you're watching this from our YouTube channel, we'll be sure to include this in the transcript so you can get connected with Rich. Rich, thank you so much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yes. Uh, and Warriors, again, please be sure to tune in to every Saturday where we have our Edge of Gladiators chat at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 30 minutes, four questions that will get you pumped up, excited, and ready to be an Edge of Gladiator for your student and for our profession. So until next time, we will see you in the arena, uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, and we hope you guys have a great day. Thanks.